I am super excited to have you back for another episode of Red Receipt. It's a deep dive into the how and why of the brands we love and the creatives behind them. From blueprints to launch day, customers as community, and the detours in between. Big lessons and easy listening. Red Receipt is hosted by Antidote, the email and SMS marketing agency by people who hate boring email. On today's episode, we're joined by Alex Taylor, the co-founder and co-CEO of Parallel Health, the pre- and postnatal supplement service made by moms for moms. A Vogue alumni and mother herself, Alex teamed up with her co-founders to launch a direct-to-consumer service based on their own new standard for the motherhood journey. Since launch, Parallel has helped a cult community of millennial moms find the high-quality service they deserve. And they're just getting started. Alex took some time to stop by the podcast, share her story, and talk about launching the brand. We're so happy to have her and hope you enjoy the show. So I typically just love to learn a little bit more about your background even before starting the brand. Yeah, of So I, I know I asked you this before, but where are you from originally? I am from L.A., born and raised. I grew up in Topanga Canyon. And, um, yeah, been here ever since I took a little jaunt to New York for a little while to sow my oats and, um, work there for a little bit, but I love LA. Yeah. And, and what industry were you working in when you had your stint in New York? Fashion editorial. Uh, so I started my career at Vogue and, uh, started as a, a lowly assistant in the closet, in the fashion closet, <laughs> and worked my way up. I eventually started doing um, a lot of the LA cover shoots with the fashion director, Tony Goodman, and eventually became a fashion assistant and then went to New York and worked there for a little bit to get the full experience, which I loved, but I didn't love the weather. <laughs> I couldn't handle the weather. Um, me and my thin skinned LA roots came running home. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, that was kind of how I, I started it and went to New York, came back to LA and stayed in fashion, beauty, lifestyle, that whole world ever since. And today is a very small world moment because the brand that I started parallel is actually featured today on Vogue which is pretty cool. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Congrats. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) And were you always in the editorial and content space within fashion? Yeah, I did. I started in that world. And when I was with Vogue, things were shifting very quickly. Um, Print media was taking a beating. And, you know, there was a a massive recession at the time. And, you know, the whole industry was being, you know, was shifting. And um, so I was with Vogue, but they were making some major cuts. You know, the the magazine was very thin, meaning most advertisers had been pulling. And I started to think about, well, gosh, you know, I'm spending all this time online. There's something happening here. And, um, my days at Vogue were cut back to only a few days a week. And I was, you know, an entitled millennial who had just graduated and I wanted to be working full time and paying my rent and living on my own. And so I thought, you know, I might as well just poke my head out and see what other opportunities are out there. And, um, 
with a few twists and turns, I was connected with a friend who was starting a startup here in LA and he was looking for someone that had a content background and loved fashion and beauty and was connected in that world. And I thought, you know what? This is really interesting. You're creating essentially editorial brands that have a commerce element online. And you're trying to figure out how to build quote unquote community. And, you know, I thought this is really interesting. So I actually jumped in and joined him, uh, which was a huge leap of faith. You know, it was really hard going from somewhere where, you know, the Vogue environment into a place where, you know, I literally was sitting on like a folding table at work every day. It was a, it was a true startup. Um, but what he wanted to do was build these editorial and commerce brands around talent and personalities. So think about goop, if you will. It was a really early days and I was tasked with figuring out what is the editorial strategy? What's the brand voice? How am I going to build traffic to this website? And at the time, brands weren't using social media. Most brands weren't even on social media, which was really interesting. Um, but because these brands that I was working on were associated with talent, you know, a lot of these people had Facebook pages or a Twitter account. Twitter just launched at the time. And so I thought, well, this person has millions of followers. Why can't I just put out a link and start to drive them back to my website? What an idea. And so I had this amazing, um, you know, test case because I was able to experiment with such scale and such audiences. And with time, I quickly learned what inspires someone to click and drive, you know, that, um, that conversion to a website. And then ultimately what inspires someone to shop a product that's editorialized. And so I had just tremendous amount of data to leverage and a huge audience that I was working with by nature of the talent that we were, we were partnering with. And I ended up building the entire fashion and beauty vertical of this business. Um, the company was called Equal. And um, we had a ton of different clients. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I remember I was one of the first people to create a viral pin, <laughs> which was really neat. We heard from the Pinterest HQ about, wow, what did you do here? You put text on an image. Amazing. <laughs> so it's <was> pretty neat <laughs> um, to, be, to be at the center of that. And what was really exciting is we actually ended up uh, being acquired for the very verticals I built. Um, so that was really neat to be part of that process and learned a lot. And around that time, I then transitioned to start working with L'Oreal. Um, I pitched, concept, and built their first ever content marketing effort, which was called Makeup.com. So at the time, again, content marketing was really new. <laughs> it was a whole new beast. Um, and I thought, you know, L'Oreal was trying to figure out a solution to market all 26 of their brands at the time under the old L'Oreal umbrella, how to market them efficiently. And so I pitched this idea for this editorial destination that would create content about all the different products. You could shop them through the site. Interesting, felt new and fresh at the time. Again, now it's like, well, that's obvious. Um, but we did it. We built it. And um, I was tasked with some big goals and we hit them. And I loved building that brand. It was so fun and exciting to, to work with them. Um, but while I was there, I got an interesting email <laughs> my inbox uh, from the team at Google. And they noticed that I was doing some interesting things with, at the time they had Google Plus, 
which um, RIP, I don't know if it's around anymore. Uh, but that was a big initiative for them. And they saw that I was leveraging their platform in some interesting ways. And they said, you know, we'd like to talk to you about a job. And, you know, new Google knocks, you know, you got to answer, especially being someone that really ran in a very different circle than most Googlers, you know, coming from the fashion and beauty world. I'm like, Why do they want to talk to me? Um, but, you know, I, I've always been a natural storyteller, out-of-the-box thinker, natural marketer, um, because if you're going to create great content, you have to understand how to market it and people need to like it. Um, so I started talking with Google and I actually ended up joining their marketing team. <laughs> and I figured what an amazing opportunity to get my proverbial digital MBA, if you will. So I learned a tremendous amount of product development, user-guided product development. Um, the way and the mechanics in which Google functions. I loved their values. It was wonderful. Um, and I helped them launch the first ever live digital shopping video experience. <laughs> so um, Google's always very ahead of their time. And this was definitely something that was uh, definitely ahead of its time. It's almost like Facebook's lives, if you will, or IG lives now, but with a shopping component. And it was really neat. We launched with Vogue and the CFDA, uh, Rachel Zoe, Rag and Bone. It was really exciting and I was really proud of what we did, but it was kind of this interesting come to Jesus moment for me in my career where the next day, you know, we're at the office, everyone's high-fiving and excited about what we did. And while I was really proud of being a part of this and bringing this to life, I realized, gosh, you know, I don't know if this gets my kicks. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I could definitely see myself going into Google every day and kind of understanding my future looked like, but I really, um, I didn't want to be the platform. I wanted to be closer to the consumer. And that was my big learning there. And so because my role at Google was such that I kind of functioned as this internal consultant for the fashion and beauty industry, how could Google help you solve your problems? Um, I knew it was happening under the hood at all of my favorite brands. <laughs> so I kind of knew where like there could be opportunity for me. And um, being that I'm an LA girl and love LA, I kind of narrowed my scope. And I zeroed in on a small brand that I became aware of actually back in my Vogue days called Who, What, Where. And I connected with the founders and learned a little bit more about their business. And I realized there was tremendous opportunity there huge opportunity to grow, not only their brand, but to help them expand into new categories and build their business differently. <laughs> and so um, we shared a lot of ideas and met and they asked me to join the company. And I had this very ambiguous role, you know, coming in content strategy. And very quickly, um, I identified opportunities for this business to truly become a real media empire with a consumer goods extension. And, um, you know, I've learned how to build brands digitally and build community. Um, but I also learned how to inspire community to be part of that product development process from my time at Google and Equal. And um, so I joined the Who at Wear team and quickly uh, I became the president of the company and working really closely with the, the founder and the CEO. And I helped them scale not only their media brand, Who What Wear, but I also parlayed that into their first consumer goods venture um, by leveraging a lot of the experience that I had with Google and Equal and some of my other experience, um, L'Oreal, et cetera. And um, 
I was the first on the phone with Target and we talked about this idea of how do we um, bring products to the tar- target consumer through who, what, where. And so I thought, well, user guided product development, there we go, bingo. You know, I knew that it worked and we had this really attentive community at who, what, where. And what better way to make them feel a part of this brand than to help build and define the product? Uh, so we launched the Who What Wear collection with Target. And meanwhile, I also helped them develop new brands and new categories from the beauty category to the home category um, to Gen Z and how to scale and redefine those brands. Um, so during my time there, I really became kind of not only overseeing and kind of driving that vision of the business and where it could go and what possibilities we could explore, but also really a brand incubator. How do you build a brand? Um, and what was really interesting is, as I'm sure you know, every few years, the playbook is rewritten entirely. There's a new platform. There's a new way to leverage talent. You know, things are changing a mile a minute. And so that's what I really enjoyed during my time there. So um, what started out as a company with one website, a daily blog, one daily newsletter, akin to, you know, daily candy, if you will, uh, really scaled into an exciting, you know, multimedia and consumer goods company. And it was tremendous. And I learned so much. And I am just so grateful for my experience there and the fact that they really trusted me and gave me the agency to to do so much with this business. Um, so I was there for quite some time, helped scale the business from, you know, I, was, I think I was like the 28th employee. And by the time I left, there was about 210 employees and I opened up you know, the UK offices, Australia. Oh my gosh. It was wild. Sometimes I was like, how do we do all that? Did I sleep? <laughs> it was an amazing team, honestly. And I think that's something that I really learned about myself is that during my time there, I learned how to build a team and how to really trust people and bring on the best people and bring on people that are way better than me. And you know, that I can give direction to and coach in certain ways that I can also learn from. And that was tremendous. Um, Then I was tapped with an interesting opportunity (laughs) to venture into the world of retail. (laughs) And I thought, got this media thing down, you know, the consumer goods, all of our, our product lines are, you know, kind of glorified royalty deals. Like what's up with retail? (laughs) Everyone's running from it. So I'd like to run towards it and see what I can do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was actually recruited by URBN. They own Urban Outfitters, Free People, Anthropology. Um, and they wanted to create the, you know, what does the anthropology of wellness look like? You know, what does a space that's merchandised with incredible activewear and beauty and wellness products look like for the millennial and Gen Z customer? And they've been incubating this idea under the Free People brand for some time with an activewear line. And, um, you know, they asked me to put together, like, what what would this look like? And so it was pretty neat. I um, interfaced with the founder of Urban Outfitters, uh, Dick Hain, and he's still the founder and CEO to this day, an incredible, smart uh, merchant and uh, and leader. And I put together this vision of what you know, this experience and brand could look like. And they said, come join us. And uh, it was an interesting time. I was seven months pregnant with my first child. Uh, so, you know, it was just kind of a crazy time to be 
changing careers, but also, you know, what better time than now? (laughs) (laughs) So I just jumped right in. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. I worked for this incredible woman. She's a president of free people named uh, Sheila Harrington. And she is probably the smartest and most strategic leader I've ever had the honor of working for. And she really pulled me under her wing and I learned so much, you know, I definitely knew what I didn't know about retail and was very transparent about that. And what she liked about me was that, you know, as an out of the box thinker, marketer, know how to build communities online and offline. And I brought this kind of new entrepreneurial startup spirit. And that was really different for the whole urban ecosystem. Um, But, you know, they wanted to to take a different route and try a different strategy rather than bringing a, a traditional merchant to build and grow this business. They wanted a marketer. And so I joined, it was incredible. I loved working for her. Um, what I didn't love was after my son was born, I was effectively bi-coastal between LA and Philadelphia, which is really hard with a three month old. I bit off a lot more than I could chew. <laughs> that is a crazy yeah, time. It was a crazy time. Be- Yeah. To be flying back and forth seems like it would be so hard. It was really hard. Um, and I like, trust me, I like a challenge, but, um, this was tough. You know, your life, there's this gravitational shift when you have children, um, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, it's kind of adjusting to this new normal, my new identity. There's just so much happening in my world internally and externally. Um, so it was an interesting moment because I loved what I was doing and I loved the brand. I loved my boss and my team and everyone I was working with um, and the tremendous opportunity I saw. But, you know, push came to shove and I'd have to relocate back to Philadelphia. And my husband's job also really accelerated during this time. He works in the film industry. So he's, you know, tied to LA. And it just became clear that. I had to make a tough decision. And around the same time, I've realized that, wow, I've spent my career building everyone else's brand. I've spent this career building everyone else's community. I understand how to, you know, work on the business side as well as the creative side. You know, I helped lead, let, I led the Series C um, and Series B fundraising for who, what, where's uh, parent company click. So kind of knew my way around that side of the business too, which was unusual for someone in my role. I thought, you know, I've got all these puzzle pieces. Why don't I just build my own brand? <laughs> um, and that was really the jumping off point for me to say to the three people team and the urban team that, you know, I, I think I, I think I need to rethink this opportunity. And I ended up uh, leaving and taking a little time to think about what I wanted for my first time in my career. You know, my whole career had always been guided by these amazing opportunities that I unearthed or I stumbled upon, or, you know, I was fortunate enough to be put in a position that I was exposed to, you know, I, and it was the first time where I thought, well, what do I want? You know, I want balance in my life right now. I'm a new mom. Um, I want to be in LA with my family and my friends that, um, you know, are all very near and dear to me. And, and, um, you know, what's going to support me more personally. <laughs> and so that's, uh, when I made the decision that I, I needed to figure out, you know, what could I start on my own? And maybe- was, was that a hard 
jump to make, not even knowing what exactly you were going to start? It was impossibly hard. I'm so type A planner. You know, I was the girl that by this age, I'm going to be doing this, which is so foolish and stupid to do because that's (laughs) just not how life works. Um, But I just knew I had this opportunity, this window of time where my child is very young and I could take some time to not just, you know, be with him for a second and really think about what I wanted to do. And I've always thought, you know, when building everyone else's brands, you know, what problems can I solve? You know, how can I make so-and-so's life better? Whether it be the Gen Z consumer, the beauty lover, you know, I've always approached them like, what problems can I solve for them? And I realized, wait a minute, no one's solving my problems as a millennial mom. (laughs) You know, maybe there's something here. And I felt that so few brands were talking to me in a way that felt authentic and real. You know, I had just become a mom. So, you know, my identity was, had inherently changed. You know, I added this whole new spectrum to my world. And, you know, I felt that suddenly just because I had become a mom, I was relegated to this category of mama. You know, I was no longer Alex, this woman who does X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I was just a mom and brands only spoke to me as a mom and they didn't recognize me as a whole woman. I felt that I was, and I started to have these conversations with friends and we all felt very frustrated. And a lot of the mom brands out there kind of speak to you as a very like sorority kind of almost juvenile tone. And it just, it didn't, it didn't strike the right chord. And I said, okay, so there's an opportunity to speak to women like me, the way we want to be treated. Um, But how can I support her and service her? And so I started to think about, you know, what are things that, you know, that could be improved with my experiences becoming a mom. And I started to kind of noodle around the wellness and health category. And around this time, I had a couple ideas and I was sharing them with a friend who was a VC. And she said, you know, you got to meet my friend, Tori. (laughs) She sees the same problems you see and she wants to solve them. And the best part is she has totally opposite skills than you. She's finance and strategy and operations and your brand and marketing and content like, you guys should meet just for coffee. So she kind of set us up on this blind date. And um, I remember being so nervous. I was like, oh, this is so different. Um, And I ended up meeting Tori for coffee. And we just talked for over an hour about not only our experience as millennial moms, but opportunities we saw. And I love the way that she thought about and saw the world. And we realized, wow, this could be a really interesting alliance. So we just started meeting up. Um, every couple of weeks to just talk and about what we were seeing in the space, share ideas of, you know, oh, this could be an interesting idea for us to explore. <laughs> just kind of spitballing. And um, eventually we landed on something that became really obvious to us, which was our experience with prenatal vitamins. It is not standardized. <laughs> it's um, a category that is not regulated very closely. And um, there's a huge dearth of credible information online about it. You know, when you start to look up your prenatal vitamins, you end up on a user-generated content form. And I'm sorry, it just like doesn't cut it when you're looking for credible info, especially on something that 
so important and fundamental to such an important chapter of, of a woman's reproductive life. And um, so two things kind of happened in tandem around this time. Um, Tori had given birth to her second child. Um, and I obviously had given birth more or less recently to my son. And we kind of put our two experiences together. She came from a place where there could be far better quality ingredients and realize that the timing of ingredients is of nutrients is especially important. Um, she gave birth to her beautiful daughter and she was born with a cleft lip, which was non-genetic. So nutrition related. And as she and her doctor started to dig in, they realized that this specific type of cleft lip is, can be related to a folic acid deficiency. My partner, oh my Tori, God. yeah, my partner, Tori is the picture of health. You know, she eats clean and uses only clean beauty products and she works out every day. I mean, you know, she's like, how could this be nutrition related? I took a prenatal and that's kind of when the brakes hit. And she said, wait a minute. And she started to learn more about her prenatal and her prenatal used uh, folic acid. And most women think, oh, when I need a prenatal, I need folic acid. And that's kind of all we really know about prenatals generally. Um, and ends up, folic acid is actually a synthetic format of the nutrient folate. And many manufacturers use folic acid because it's cheaper and more accessible. So it's easier to put in a vitamin. Um, and, you know, and so they put that in the vitamin. However, the problem is, is that over 60% of women can't transform folic acid into the absorbable format folate. So my partner happens to be one of those women with that genetic variant and wasn't transforming the folic acid or folate that she thought she was getting into folate. So, um, obviously that really got her going in terms of ingredient, um, quality, but she also learned that the timing of nutrients is really important. You know, most of your baby's essential organs and um, you know functions are established within the first six to nine weeks of being pregnant. Most that women, is so crazy. Yeah, most women don't even know they're pregnant until they're like five or six weeks on the early side. Um. So at my, any rate, my wife was definitely on the early early side. She yeah. knew like after three weeks. Wow. Yeah, and was like telling telling our family. I mean, oh she God, also had been her. taking taking a prenatal mm -hmm. vitamin for a year yeah. before we even like started Smart. to try. Yeah. yeah, and they say you should because your body actually needs to build up the nutrient stores ahead of even getting pregnant, and so that when you are pregnant, the um, you know you're getting those nutrients during those really early weeks. So. At any rate, we learned that the timing was really important. And so Tori was kind of coming at it from this perspective. And meanwhile, being an LA girl, love wellness, grew up in Topanga Canyon. You know, I'm very dialed in. I was an editor for a long time. So I've had access to amazing practitioners. I was very dialed into the whole wellness health scene. You know, I had a, a particularly high wellness IQ, if you will. And, um, I learned through my acupuncturist and my functional medicine doctor that, you know, when I was trying to get pregnant, I should increase certain nutrients in my first trimester. Oh, you should be taking this. 
third trimester, introduce this additional ingredient. So, you know, I was kind of already piecing together my own little DIY regimen. I'd have my prenatal and then I'd, you know, be on Amazon. I'd have three more bottles lined up to take with it and it'd change every, you know, phase of my motherhood journey, if you will. And I was like, this is such a terrible experience. (laughs) Someone should be bundling this. Someone should be making this really easy. And when we came together and saw these two challenges in terms of putting great quality products together, um, it became clear that, wow, we should fix this. (laughs) So that's what led us to create Parallel. I'm curious to hear too, like knowing, knowing all of the different phases of your career, which sounds like you had such great experiences at each different business. What do you feel like you learned at the initial startup? Because it seems like that really kicked off like an early success track for you, like even being part of a small business that ends Mm -hmm. up getting acquired, I feel like is a very unique situation that probably informed the way that you even worked at the companies after. Yeah, you're very insightful. I attribute so much of what shaped me to those early days at that startup. I was, what, what do you feel like was unique about that situation that led to the success that you guys saw there? I think what was really unique is that I've always had a growth mindset. So I've looked at problems from a perspective of, if I can't figure it out, I'll figure it out. <laughs> if I don't know this, I'll figure it out. And um, I think what was really unique about that first startup was that I was thrown into the water and had to figure everything out. I didn't have anyone to tell me how to do something. I didn't have anyone to tell me how to build a content marketing calendar, how to get traffic to my website. And so I had to get really scrappy and I got so scrappy. And so I think there was that, but then additionally, I had to learn every aspect of that business. You know, we were making the website. I worked so closely with the product team to understand what's the optimal user experience? What's going to get someone to click into this headline? What should this look like when it's shared to Facebook? What image should it be pulling as the thumbnail? Should we adjust the copy for Facebook versus Twitter or Pinterest? And I just had to get so under the hood in every way. And I became this little you know, founder of all of these brands into my own right. And I think that's really what put, you know, put me into motion, you know, that set me forward because I took all of those learnings and I took that type of approach to the workplace and problem solving and working with people that did really different things than me. And I, I 100% attribute, you know, where I am today to so much of what I learned and planted at that time. What, what do you feel like was the main difference from that phase then moving into more of a corporate Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a, another very unique situation, but mm-hmm. a more corporate version of mm-hmm. that at Google. And, yeah. and do you feel like there were lessons that you learned at Google that kind of built on the already entrepreneurial spirit that you had been forming? Yeah, I think it was a good stepping stone because it was almost like taking startup elementary and like, turning it on, like putting it on steroids, if you will, for lack of a better word. It was 
Um, because so much of what you do and build at Google, you are inspired to approach it with a very kind of entrepreneurial mindset with having this ownership of it. And I thought that was really good and healthy for me and nurtured that, you know, nurtured that within me. Um, but then I also realized there were a lot of things about the corporate world like I wasn't crazy about. And there were a lot of corporate things about Google, um, you know, and I like to move fast. And I realized that you couldn't move as fast sometimes as you want, even within Google. And um, I think when I knew that I wanted to leave, when I looked at the space, I zeroed in on a startup for a reason. You know, I wanted to go in and make an impact and drive the business and do big things and move fast, fail fast, all those good things. So I knew that that was kind of a place that I would thrive. Um, and it did take the time working with Google and L'Oreal to learn that about myself. And, um, and then jumping back into the startup world and I'll mm -hmm. get to your yeah. present. I just am curious about yeah. a few of these things. Okay. Um, jumping back into the startup world, it seems like you approach things with, from like a very high level vision mm -hmm. perspective. And I'm mm -hmm. curious how, how you learn to balance that with the like stresses of day-to-day -day mm -hmm. life within a young business that might not have as much stability as a place yeah. like Google after yeah. leaving something that's so secure. It's a really good question. I think it was always about prioritizing. I think it's so important to have such a, a a view or an idea of what your future could look like to set your sales in motion so you can develop strategy. And that strategy then, you know, trickles down into your day-to-day -day tactics. So, um, you know, and also just making the time for it. You know, I, I was at a point in my life where I was fortunate that I didn't have the family or the responsibilities I have today. And I could devote more time to my work and focus on that. And um, you know, I think giving myself the space to think, okay, where can this go? But also tactically, like, how do I execute on the day to day, um, was really helpful. You, it seems like you've had such great leaders around you that have really, uh, given you the ability to learn and develop and build things on your own. Absolutely. That's a huge do part you, of it. What, what do you feel like you learned from those leaders about how they, uh, how they empowered you to take the initiative mm -hmm. like that? I think a lot of what I learned, I mean, even specifically with free people is, you know, leaving your ego at the door and being like, my boss had decades of experience on me. And, um, you know, but she was always so humble and forthcoming about what she didn't know, what she didn't know. And then you know, I was able to approach it with, wow, well, I can foil this with some things that I do know. And I was also able to just be really honest with her. And I never bluffed about what I didn't know. I think that's always been what's helped me is that I've always been very transparent about, I don't understand this, teach me. <laughs> and it could be from anyone. It could be from someone who is more junior than me, more senior than me. So I think it's just, I've always approached things with a very kind of inquisitive and open and honest and humble uh, manner. And I think that my leaders have always been really receptive of that. And I've had some bosses that I think have really nurtured that and provided me with kind of what I needed to, to learn from them, but also, you know, see what they could get out of me. 
if you will. Um, so yeah, I think that's been an important piece of it, you know, just being really honest. And also I've always been really kind of picky about where I went, you know, about who I'm going to be learning from and, you know, what types of things do I need to to add to my Swiss army knife? And do I see that value in this person? Um, you know, for me, I, I love being a part of building something and, you know, I have to believe in who's at the helm and see the value that they can add to my world and vice versa. You know, also if I'm going to be a redundancy of my boss, like there's no value there, you know? So I have to be able to bring something different to the table too. And then, so you guys, you guys were meeting every couple of weeks, brainstorming. Mm-hmm. What did it look like from the the time that you identified the problem or mm-hmm. more of like the friction point that you guys both experienced mm-hmm. um, to actually like building and launching a brand? Yeah. So as Tori and I continued to meet, um, we... We eventually got to a point where we said, okay, this is a really interesting idea. We want to create prenatal vitamins that are optimized for each phase of motherhood. We kind of just had to distill it down to what it was. And we thought, okay, what are those phases of motherhood? And we defined them as preconception. So when someone is thinking about or actively trying to get pregnant, first, second, and third trimester, because each phase requires different nutrients, as well as postpartum, which is a very much a forgotten phase of motherhood. It's also, you have this baby and like everyone forgets about you. You're like, wait a minute, I still need vitamins. What do I take? Do I still take prenatals? You know, like it's really bizarre. Um, and so we identified these five phases of motherhood and we thought, okay, we kind of did our own little, you know, research of what we believed we needed and what I was piecing together and what she learned. And then we thought, wait a minute, <laughs> We are not doctors. We are not scientists. We need to bring in an expert. And we were really fortunate to be connected to some incredible doctors and practitioners. And one of them is, is without a doubt, the most respected OBGYN in the U.S. She's incredible. Um, she's out of New York. And uh, we went to her and we said, what do you think about this idea? <laughs> and she said, she completely validated it. She said, wow, you know, this is really finally the opportunity to create a product of prenatal that can really support women. And so that really set us in motion. We had a little pep in our step. We're like, okay, a doctor has validated this concept. We actually went around to a couple other doctors and experts um, to weigh in. And very quickly, we realized that we were onto something really special. You know, most uh, OBGYNs, when you ask them about you know, what prenatal should I take, they're just kind of like, ah, they're all the same. doesn't matter. Here's a bag of samples. Take your fancy for two reasons. One is, you know, most of them are, are, are binary. They treat pregnancy either if you are or are not pregnant. And if you are pregnant, you take the same thing throughout. So you're technically overdosing and underdosing yourself with nutrients that you do or don't need because each phase has different requirements. So no one had really solved it. And then additionally, a lot of OBs just don't have a nutritional training. Um, in medical school in the United States, you know, they don't spend time on nutrition. Um, so it's typically something that doctors have to kind of continue their education and learn about. So at any rate, um, we once we had validated the idea, we went back and 
um, thought about, okay, we need to bring on a a co-founder to help us really build this product from a a medical and doctor back perspective. Um, So we brought on our our co-founder, Dr. Bayati, who joined us. She's an incredible OBGYN with high nutritional IQ here in LA. Um, And she's also Tori's doctor. So she really understood the whole piece of, you know, how folic acid related to uh, Tori's experience. And she came on board and then we brought on um, some consultants to help us with the formulation of the product, um, help us connect with and identify the best manufacturers that aligned with our values from sustainability to, you know, ensuring it's a clean, uh, ethically sourced product. And that's kind of when the ball got rolling. So, yeah. And did you did you guys end up raising money throughout the process? Yeah. So when we had decided to officially start the business, um, we kind of landed on the idea in the fall. And we're like, oh, it's the holidays. You know, let's do the holidays. New moms. Um, and then that January, like, let's hit the ground running. Let's do this. And um, we got everything in place. We kind of figured out what we needed to raise. We put together a deck to figure out, you know, all the mechanics of the business. It was just a good exercise for us. You know, um, my partner, Tori, modeled the business every which way. You know, she's an HBS grad. So, you know, she's amazing at what she does. Um, and by the time we were ready to kind of get going, um, we put a number down of what we needed to raise because we had to... Um, you know, obviously get the the product manufactured. And um, it was March 8th, 2020, when we opened our fundraise. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And two days later, the world ended. So, um, you know, everyone's pocketbooks and funds closed up. They had to, you know, either put money back into investments they had already made to get them through this challenging time or, there's a lot of hesitation and, you know, we took a step back and we thought, you know what, maybe we need to figure out another way to, to get this going. <laughs> um, you know, because to fundraise during this time would be tough. So, you know, we did have a couple of conversations just to take a temperature check and see what was happening out there. But very quickly we realized you're like, we just want to build this business. We have something really important to bring to the world. How can we do this? And so we ended up bootstrapping and bringing in some investment through friends and family. And that's what we've done to date. And we're happy we've done it because it's allowing us to prove our thesis, uh, show a path to profitability. And you know, we're absolutely thinking about bringing in, doing a formal round and bringing in some institutional capital next year. Um, but it'll be great because we'll have our thesis, you know, proven more or less and um, can have, you know, have a better place to to bring in the support because irregardless, raising pre-seed is very difficult. Um, and at least at this point, we'll have some revenue to prove against the business and have a different way to think about it and, um, you know, at least get our brand going with a vision and direction that we hope to infuse into it. You know, we are a mission-driven company. I think that was something that was really important to both of us coming out of our background. You know, she came from, uh, she came from traditional finance background, but then moved into, you know, the world of fashion and beauty. And she was with Carbon 38 and my partner was with Honest Company and Olive and June. I came from the world of, you know, hardcore fashion and beauty and media. Um, and we both just realized being moms, like we want to do something good for this world. You know, we, we obviously want to make sure that women are getting 
exactly the nutrition and support they need. But we wanted to do something that could give back and build that genuinely into our models. So for every subscription to our product, Parallel, we donate a supply of our own prenatal uh, vitamins to underserved women here in the United States. And um, that was really important to us. And I think, you know, by bootstrapping the business and really doing it without kind of the external pressures that come with, you know, those ties of external funding, we were able to just ensure that our vision was really clear. Our values were just, you know, woven into the fabric of who we are today. And I think that was really a happy accident that came of (laughs) the timing of everything and how we went about raising capital. I, I, I always think like, obviously the, fact that you guys bootstrapped affects the way that you build the business absolutely the like everything everything and i <laughs> i i personally believe that it is just a very healthy way to approach things because yeah. ultimately like you're learning how to make money mm-hmm. as a business yeah yeah exactly. and i feel like that's definitely not as much the case if you're spending yeah other people's money exactly. from the jump exactly it um, gives you a very different relationship to how every single dollar and cent is spent and we have gotten really creative more so than i think i ever have been and i've worked in some really scrappy situations um so yeah that's exactly it and do you feel like there's anything that you guys have learned or uh that has come up since launching the brand that you might not have expected before, mm-hmm. like in terms of proving your thesis yeah. and or even learning to adjust mm-hmm. the thesis itself. Yeah. Is there anything that that has come up that you guys didn't expect? I think it's just how organically the brand has been welcomed by women. It was so validating to hear how needed it was. And we knew it was needed. But what's been really special is just to see how people are naturally telling their friends and evangelizing for us, which has been just huge goosebumps moment for us, you know, wow. Um, And just hearing feedback from our community already about, you know, how special and important this is and how convenient and how it's taken out the guesswork and, you know, how they don't have to pill sort every morning. so that's been honestly the biggest surprise. And now you're thinking about, okay, how do we, how do we, you know, fan that fire and continue that? But it does feel really good to have a product that feels like a great fit for the market. Is there any advice that you wish you would have been able to give yourself at the outset of building this brand that would have made things easier or just more helpful along the way up to this mm-hmm. point? I know it's still early on, so this might not be. That's a great question. I think I was really fortunate that I've had, I I have amazing mentors and people in my life that I've kept close and they've always been my reality check. And so I think going into this, I had a pretty good understanding of, you know, what I was getting into. Um, You know, a, a mentor of mine, he was at a dinner with Elon Musk one night and They were talking and Elon told him, they were talking about the experience being an entrepreneur and Elon told him, well, 
when you're an entrepreneur, every morning you're going to wake up and you have to chew glass. And every day there's going to be new problems and you're just going to have to deal with it. And I think as I was starting, you know, this journey, I had a conversation with this mentor and he shared that with me. And it really put a different perspective on everything that I had done before. You know, of course, I was dealing with problems day in and day out at my former, you know, companies. But ultimately, it wasn't like my glass to chew and swallow. <laughs> and now it is. And I think that's been that was a really helpful thought for me to keep in mind every day with my business is that, okay, you know, there's always every day there's going to be new problems and new challenges. And I got to chew the chew the glass and I got to swallow it because it's my business. You know, I, you know, it it starts and ends with me and my partner. And um, that was just a really good moment to remind me that, you know, as I was going into this, like, you know, this is, this is it, this is serious. You know, (laughs) there's, there's no, you know, board or investor or anyone else to fall back on, you know, it's going to start and end with us. So um, I think that was honestly like some of the best advice to keep in mind and just perspective going into starting Um, business. I'm also selfishly curious now that you are chewing your own glass, how have, how have you like, are, is there anything that you found helpful Mm -hmm. to come back to the bigger vision and not get drowned, drowned out by the smaller issues or problems or friction points that you're trying to solve? Yeah. I think a big thing for us, has been, we decided to invest in two full-time employees, um, which feels pretty extravagant for being a startup. (laughs) Um, But we decided to do that so that, you know, each of us kind of has our proxy. I brought in someone who's worked for me before and she's incredible. And I just trust her with the details and I can focus on the big picture. And when I do want to drill in, I can go deep with her. Um, But that's really allowing both my partner and I, we each have these these people. Um, and that allows us to still focus on the big picture of the business, the vision. Um, what are the big moves we're going to make? What are the bets we're going to place? Where do we want to hedge our risk? Um, that's been really helpful. Just making that investment in the people that we trust that can handle the minutia, um, and also share ideas with us for the big picture so that, you know, my partner and I can come together and say like, what's going to make sense. So that's been really helpful. Well, I'm super excited to uh, keep in touch over the next uh, months and year and see where everything goes. I'd love to do a follow-up with you as the brand evolves. Thank you. uh, Also, as you guys raise money and just the, I feel like the evolution of the situation and how you guys are working will be super interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice to get to know you through this process and... Thank you. Bread, receipt, bread, receipt, bread, receipt, bread, receipt.